Welcome back to the Axiom Youth Podcast. This lesson is being taught by Brother Jared Turner. He proposes the question, is God still relevant? Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. I'm going to not start with a scripture. We're going to be referencing the Bible a lot, of course, tonight. But I've been doing this thing in youth where I've really been trying to figure out in my own heart and in for the lives and the hearts of our young people, is God relevant anymore? Because we live in a day and age where knowledge is increasing so quickly and that there are endless opportunities available, especially to these young people. There's endless opportunities available to us, but those that are a little bit older as the nature of our age limits the opportunities that we have. But they have endless opportunities in front of them. And there are times are changing so quickly that the, the question has been in my mind, is God still relevant to this day and age? And I don't think, it's, I don't think it is a question that is not asked. I would argue that it is a question that has gone through their minds. It may not be one they feel at liberty to ask. And if we were truthful, there's probably times when it's even crossed our mind as adults. Is God still relevant? Is this thing still relevant? Is is it going to make a difference in their life at all? Does it really matter? is, is, Is this thing still work? Does the power of the Holy Ghost really work in your life? Because the longer that you live, you see some, you can always find some anecdotal evidence. You can always find that person that the Holy Ghost just transformed. And we promote them and we put up the testimony of how God has totally transformed their life. But you can also find the folks that have the Holy Ghost that it hasn't, it hasn't worked in their life. Well, I wouldn't say that's strong. I don't want to offend anybody, but you know what I mean. They, it hasn't stuck. They haven't re- realized how to utilize the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and you just think, did they even really get it? Have you ever met somebody like that? You just Did they even really ever get the Holy Ghost? You know what I mean? So you can always find that anecdotal evidence, right? You can point to one. I could point to one person, and then somebody that's a skeptic could point to another person and say, well, the witness has been ruined for me because of this person. I mean, they had the Holy Ghost, and they did whatever. They, they end up in prison even. So what good does the Holy Ghost... You can always find that anecdotal evidence to point to one thing. And you can always find that person that is an atheist or that's a non-believer. And young people, you're going to run into people like that that are really decent, good people. And you're going to begin to question, is this thing really still for me? Right? We, I like to preach in terms of black and white that if you live for God, everything will work out. And if you don't live for God, nothing will work out. But really the... That's not always the case. I can point to some anecdotal evidence, but there are plenty of people who walk away from God and they live decent and okay lives. And their careers work out fine and they might even stay married and might even have some kids that are well adjusted and kind of morph into society pretty good and get a good job and they live a pretty good and decent life. I've met some people like that and they did it all without God. There's a lot of power in just human effort and human endeavor to just stand up. And any time you have some self-discipline, it does you good in your life. 
something. Plenty of people can just pick themselves up by their bootstraps and make something of their life. So you can make something of your life. That's true. So the question is, is God still relevant for me? Is God, that's what I've been dealing with. Is God still relevant to me? Because sometimes you can, I can even ask that of myself. I look at peers of mine and things that they are doing and you can, uh, not, maybe not, not my friends necessarily, but just people my age in the world. And the, they are creating companies and building new apps and doctors and lawyers and technology and just really making a difference in the world. And you begin to think, am I still doing something that works? Am I still doing something that works? And you, you see young people come up, or we've seen them in our church where people come in and they drift away. And you think, does this message still have the power to change? Does it, does it still work? And you can always point to anecdotal evidence on either side, but you never get anywhere just by pointing this example and pointing that example. We've got to know. You've got to know, young people, if this thing is true. And if it's true, you better follow it with everything that you have. And you better abandon everything else. But if it's not true, you've got to have the courage to walk away because there is no middle ground. You cannot believe a lie. Your life will not work built on a lie. It just won't happen. You, you, don't, you don't want to be fooled into that. We like to go to magic shows, but the magic show ends and you walk away knowing that it was an illusion. It would be pretty sad to go to a magic show and actually believe that there was magic involved. And let that inform your whole worldview just because you went and saw an illusionist. Church cannot be an illusion. It's got to be the real thing or nothing at all. It's either got to change when you walk out those doors and you live by it every day, or you just say, well, that's a nice illusion that I like to go to on Sunday. But there is no middle ground. You've got to know. You've got to know, is he real? Is this Jesus thing real? Is this Holy Ghost thing real? Is this holy lifestyle thing real? Or, or does, it, does it work for me? Does it work? And you can't just look at the evidence of just one little person or one little thing about how you're feeling at the moment. We've got to look at the evidence and say, does this still work? Because I'm not going to lie to you. And I got this idea. I was reading a book by Lee Strobel, Case for the Creator. And I recommend Lee Strobel's books. Um, he, he writes, he's a very good writer. He is not an apostolic person, but he was a, a skeptic. And he came to believe that the message of Jesus Christ was true based on his investigation of the story of Jesus, historical uh, evidence and um, the the philosophical or the uh, physiological evidence of the crucifixion and all that kind of stuff, and it just lays out a really neat argument. But he also wrote a second book about the creation of the universe, and he, so he's he is in this book he's interviewing a man named Stephen Meyer, who was in the same boat as he was. He was an atheist or an agnostic, and he was a scientist, uh, kind of an evolutionary biologist, and he began to look at the data. And he began to look at the evidence for evolution and the evidence for creation. And, here's, and it ultimately drove him to believe in God as the creator. Not, not any kind of uh, supernatural act, but just the evidence. It, just, it convinced him that God created everything. It, just, it, it convinced him. And, and here's what he said that got me to thinking about, and I'm not going to use that as a 
a thing because we know about the power of the Holy Ghost is the ultimate evidence. It's the ultimate evidence for me. So I would be, I would be dishonest if I said that I came to faith just solely based on evidence of my mind. Because there was something happened to me. That is my testimony. And it's got to happen to these young people. They've got to form a testimony if they're going to live for God. But what I want to encourage them is that there is evidence for God. That you can, you can rest assured that you can base your life in this thing. But here's what he said about uh, reviewing all the evidence for God. It's that you can find certain instances where the evidence could point a different direction. You could find a place where it may look like descent with modification, which is the mechanism of evolution. I don't, I don't throw some terms at you, right? You got your thinking caps on, right? That's if you ever hear evolution taught, it's descent with modification. It's that there was a mistake that ended up being beneficial. So then the whole species changed. And given enough time, then you will change species, which is how they say we all got here but so that so that's the kind of the worldview of evolution there's cases where you can see some sort of descent with modification working so he said there's there's instances where you could be able to point a finger and say perhaps that offers a good answer he said but what you have to do is you can't you can't just look at one piece of evidence you have to look at the grand scope of everything that there is in the created universe or in the universe. Right. We're arguing whether or not it's created. You have to look at the grand scope and you have to look at the evidence all across. And you have to say, what is the best solution that fits most closely with every piece of evidence? So whereas you can look at the canaries on, or the finches on the Canary Islands like Darwin did, and you can see some descent with modification, but when you look at the very beginning of life, if there was no life, how could anything descend from nothing, right? What is the best answer? What do we know about when you see code and you see uh, organization is that there had to be a designer. So he makes this case that you have to look at the broad spectrum. And, you ha and what, what one answer, if you get too narrow, you can get lost and say, well, I don't really need God anymore because this answer works better. But you've got to take a step back and look at the broad spectrum. So what I've come to challenge you as young people to do is because you are in a very narrow stage of your life. You are in a season when so many possibilities are open to you. And so the danger is that you could get tunnel vision on this stage of life and say there are other options to me besides this church thing. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that in this season there are not powerful choices that you can make that might make a big difference in your life that may for a while play out the same as living for God. I'm talking about in this life. You got to understand where I'm going here. You got to listen to me because you can see something right now and you can just look at the immediate results of your life and say, well, if I do this, I see this result. If I act this way, I feel happy. If I watch this, then I feel fulfilled. So this must be the way life works. This must be the right course for my life. And when I go to church, I get stressed out. Or when I... Pray, I lose focus and fall asleep. Or when I read my Bible, I feel condemnation. So this is not the right answer for my life at this moment. 
You see what I'm saying? Because there's so many opportunities available to you. And you've got so much ahead of you. And you could be anything that you wanted to be. And you can do anything that you wanted to do. And you've got a choice to make. Because you're in a season of choice in your life. And while there are so many options, I do not want you to get lost because you make a choice that looks maybe better. Because I've been down those crossroads that you have been on. I've been where I could have made decisions that would have benefited me more financially than the decisions that I made. And for a while, it would have worked out. But see, your life right now will not be the same in a few years. So just like you could look at one piece of biological evidence and say, perhaps we could make a decision that would rule out God. You've got to go to every season of your life and say, what best fits my life in every season? What best fits my life in every season? Let me just give you an example. You can be a jerk as maybe a young man or a young lady and you can, what they call a player, right? You can, you can flirt with a whole bunch of people and it may make you popular. Let me just get down to where these young people live, right? Because we've all been there before as young people. You can, you can be that kind of person right, that gets a lot of attention and that uses people, pulls people in, lets people go. Right? And it's all for your own gratification and your own just appeal of, you know, I, I've been there. Been in the rooms and youth groups where and nobody, no adults were around and people were talking about how many girls they kissed as it was a badge of honor. So don't tell me that doesn't happen. Don't tell me it doesn't think that way. And, I mean, and don't tell me it doesn't come with street cred because it did. And the guys that had higher numbers, some people. Let me just, I'm, yeah. can I get down? Oh, this is youth service, all right? And I've just got to get down to where they live. This is, this, is, this is the way it works. And for a while, that can work out for you. For a while, you can get enough street cred to where you're walking around and you feel that satisfaction, right? It swells up in you. But that doesn't age well. That doesn't age well as you get older. That doesn't age well into a marriage. That doesn't age well when you need somebody to stand by you through cancer or through sickness and through disease and through bankruptcy and all the stuff that life just throws at you. You need somebody that's not real cool and hip, but somebody that's faithful. And if you are going to attract a faithful person, you better be faithful, young people. So right now, this kind of whatever you want to do attitude might serve you well for a moment, but it doesn't age well. Faithfulness ages well. The Word of God ages well. It blesses your life. Is it always easy? No, it's not always easy. And sometimes serving God is more difficult than serving the world. I'm not telling you it's an easy decision. Sometimes serving God, the benefits are pushed back where the benefits to the world are right there. The Bible teaches that the pleasure of sin is there for a season. So it's there. So that would make me think that if sin is pleasurable, then righteousness isn't for a season. So that sin looks pleasurable and then righteousness doesn't look so pleasurable for a season. So you can choose it for a season. 
But see, we can't just look at one piece of evidence and say, this is where I'm going to plant my flag and this is where I'm going to stake my life and this is where I'm going to live and this is what I'm going to be. No, you've got to look back and look at the whole of your life and say, I need something that's true. I need something that lasts. I need something to build my life on that's going to bless me, that's going to bless my family, that's going to bless generations to come. What is that truth? Where can I build my life? The man that built his life on the rock. I mean, the Bible is filled with examples. The rock looked the same as the sand for a while, for a season. It worked just as well for a season. But seasons change. Seasons change. Life's not always easy. And sometimes when you're going through the hardest thing in your life, that's really God's mercy reaching for you. Because He knows that there has to be seasons where you have nothing so that you can know what He has for you. Seasons of life. So my my admonition to you is to look Not with the narrow scope. Not with just looking at the next two or three years. Not just looking at the next 10 to 20 to 30 years. But you've got to look at the whole season of your life. And you know what the number one season where you're going to need God is? Because there there you may be unfortunate enough to go through your life without any major event that causes you to need God. I don't think anybody does that, but there are some people that are unfortunate enough to never go through anything difficult. And the Bible says that it is very hard for those folks to ever find the way of salvation. They said that a rich man, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I think we're talking about Wealth, wealth that we can't really imagine, where you can really be untouched by life. You've got the best of everything, and you don't even do anything. You don't, con- you know, there's, there's people like that in this world today. And it is difficult for them. They are unfortunate, the Bible says, because they never come into that place, that season where they need God on this life. And it's very difficult. And the Bible says that, that there are few that find the way of salvation. There are few, that verse haunts me, there are few that find it. We are fortunate, you are fortunate to be here where you can hear the message of where the truth is. You should count yourself blessed. And every trial and every struggle that gets you down on your knee, that is the mercy of God. That is not a bad thing. You are fortunate because you've come to a season where you need God, where you need Him. The Lord pushed the children of Israel into Egypt so that He could build a strong nation and so that He could deliver them. He did it on purpose. He knew they were going into slavery. It was a blessing of God. It was the blessings of God. But see, they lost that season quickly because when they got into their own land and their own nation, the book of Judges repeats it over and over and over again. The last verse of the book of Judges 
21, 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was a season of plenty. There was a season of prosperousness. And they forgot that they needed God. So you can do fine just with you can do fine without him. And it was always God's mercy that brought the enemy to their doorstep. It was always God's grace that put them in a trial so that they would cry out to Him so that He could raise up a judge so that He could show once and for all that I am the deliverer. The seasons of life. When you go through a hard season, young people, that's God pushing you. If you didn't face that, I know there's a lot of hardships and different challenges that you've had, but that's God reaching for you. That's God's mercy reaching out and grabbing you and trying to get a hold of you while there's so many options for you and telling you I'm still relevant. I still can help you because you may be unfortunate enough and I don't think there's anybody really in this room but and I sure hope not may be unfortunate enough to live untouched by this world long enough but eventually there comes a season to every man that you need God and that's the season of death. It doesn't matter how much money or influence or power or prestige you have. The season comes to an end. You may be able to transition through all the different other seasons, but you cannot transition through that thing called death. You need the Savior. You need the Holy Ghost in your life when you die if you ever hope to live again. You've got to have the Spirit. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has to dwell inside of your heart if you will ever live again. And that is why, young people, God is still relevant. It's because life is short. And we know on the inside that we were not made just to live 75, 80, 90 years of misery and then that's all that there is. There's that thing in the human heart that longs for transcendence and longs for meaning. And there is no meaning and there is no transcendence without God. So you may be able to have a good life. You may be able to be happy. You may be able to have all these blessings and all these things without God. I don't think it's really that possible, but I've known some people to do it. I've known some people that worked it out. But at the end of their life, uh, all All of that went away and they still were standing on judgment day with their sins hanging over them before a just God that had to issue judgment because He is holy and we are guilty and He offered free salvation and we neglected it and you will still stand before God no matter how much influence or power or money that you had. That's why I preach what I preach. That's why I believe that this is relevant. That's why I try so desperately to get a hold of your heart, get a hold of your life and say you must repent of your sins, you must be baptized in Jesus name and you must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost because it is the only worldview that satisfies every season of life it serves you well when you're young it serves you well when you're a young adult it serves you well in middle age it serves you well as an elder and it serves you well at your funeral and it's going to serve you well on that day when the trumpet sounds and the sky splits open and the dead in Christ shall rise first that's when you need the Holy Ghost most of all and you've got to have it you've got to have it this thing is important I know know we preach about the blessings of God and about God defeating the enemy because he does but the, the way he defeats the enemy ultimately in your life is at the end of it Because you're going to get out of a trial just to go right back into one if you're lucky. To keep you in a season where you need God. To keep you in a season 
where you need God. Because you can, I remember Brother Jerry Jones preached a sermon, you can learn to live without God. Outside of God's mercy. We think outside of God's mercy means no trial, no struggle, no, no sickness, no disease. I think it's quite the opposite. Outside of God's mercy, comfort, riches, ease, prayerlessness. Everything's working. Everything's going all right. But we don't ever cry out to Him. We don't ever need. I see young people, I'm not, I'm not giving you the promise that you'll never have any trials. You'll not even ever have any struggles. That's really not what living for God is about. It's because you need a Savior. It's because this life is just the dress rehearsal for the life to come. I believe that with my whole heart. This life is not all that there is. But there's something else coming and it's got to drive us. It ought to drive you when you get up in the morning and say, this is, this is not all that there is. Yeah, I can be cool right now. I can fit in right now, but that doesn't age well. That doesn't age well. This culture doesn't age well. Fads change so fast. You will be so uncool in, in like 2.5 seconds. There will be younger kids that think you are dorks. I promise you can be so cool right now, but I'm telling you what. Cool runs out so quick. You're going to be a grandfather or grandmother before you know it. And your grandkids are going to think you're so dorky. And you're going to sing the songs that are so cool right now. And they are going to laugh in your face and say, How, Oh my word, that is the most hokey, stupid sound in music ever. And you're going to say, No, it was cool back in my day. And they're going to say, I doubt it. I doubt it. You're just old fuddy-duddy. I mean, it ends so fast. I mean, you can see it all over. The seasons of life, they come and they go. And you've got to look at what ages well. You've got to look at where your life can be blessed the most. Where, is your, where are you going to get the most value for your life? Because every season comes to an end. Even the season of life, of even breathing itself, comes to an end. And that's when you're going to stand before God. That's when you're going to stand before God. So, here's my challenge to you tonight. God is relevant to your life. He's relevant to every part of your life. God is relevant to every one of your subsequent generations. That's going to come down. You could leave a legacy for the next generation. You know, the, the Bible talks about a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. We, we've kind of lost that. We live for the here. And then especially young people that don't have children. I understand that. You can, you can get caught up in the season of living for you, but eventually you're going to be living for somebody other than just yourself. And you've got to think about what blesses them. What blesses them? Me being cool or me being faithful? What blesses them? Me being popular or me being grounded in something that can issue the blessings of God? What's going to bless them? Me being hip and relevant? Or me being grounded in prayer? 
And it's them seeing me pray and cry out to God and know that there's more than just this life right here. What's going to bless them? Me just sitting there and me lifting my hand. What's going to bless you? You're going you're gonna to get there before you know it. It's going to come and it's going to go. This season of your life is so temporary. And you don't get caught up and just say, what's cool? What's expedient for me right now? But what's going to work? What's going to last? You've got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to allow God to work in your life. You've got to learn how to live for Him. You've got to learn to do those things that last. Because it matters. It matters. And if they could come to the music, I'm closing. It makes a difference. It does make a difference. You can look at just one person's life and maybe living for God, living for God made a difference. Maybe it, maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't stick. I mean, the Bible, the, I don't know why we're surprised by that, but I am every time. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. I don't know why I'm surprised by that. Jesus gave us parables of seed that was thrown and grew up quick and was plucked up. Examples of seed that was thrown and withered away. Of seed that started but didn't finish. So you can look at anecdotal evidence and say, well, that seed didn't work in their life. And that seed didn't work in that life. And they're, they're going on and they, their Instagram looks fine. They look happy. They look healthy. They look like they're doing well financially. And you can look, young people, and you can point to celebrities or even your peers and say, well, their life looks fine. I've been to their home. Their family life seems fine. That's a sloppy way to bank your eternity on. That's just, that's just, just to look at one little tiny piece of evidence and say, this is, this is it. And see, ultimately, that's what really challenged me in my life when I was in college. I went to a Christian school, grew up very protected, very, very good, a very good, blessing to be there but I went to a secular university a secular college and I was surrounded by people that had it all together they didn't, they didn't God was not thought about except in some abstract way in some classroom of some major that wouldn't make you any money the big majors the ones that everybody was walking around planning their future and they, weren't, they didn't care about God. They, they, didn't, they didn't want to know anything about the creator of the universe. They didn't believe he existed. But somehow they managed to be well-adjusted, polite, kind, even faithful. Very, very faithful individuals. Very kind to me. Instructors, teachers that had a heart for their students and, and nurtured them in the way of humanism, naturalism. They believed it was the truth. And they believed that I had been deceived. Because they loved me, I really genuinely believe that they took an interest in me. They wanted to talk me out of my deception. Just like we would try to love on somebody and talk them out of their deception. And say, no, come to the way of the truth. And you could look, be surrounded by that anecdotal evidence of some of the wealthiest people. By If you take the world in general, some of the wealthiest people in the world. I mean, we are the top 1% in this country. United States is the top 1%. Well, I mean, people live in abject poverty all over the world. So if you own a home, you're in the top 1%. And these people were at a private university. I mean, they were, they were, I mean, 
weren't super wealthy. We were middle class by our country's standards, but by the world's standards, we were very wealthy. It was anecdotal evidence that our lives were even working, that the, that these kids didn't end up in prison was just the fact of that they grew up in higher economic status. And they had something, I mean, it was, it was just an evidence that wasn't exhaustive. And in that moment, it was intoxicating to believe that maybe God wasn't for me. Maybe God wasn't for me. Maybe this, Maybe I had been lied to. Maybe it was just because I grew up in an apostolic church. Maybe it was just because my parents were apostolic that this is really the only thing. And I was, I was getting ready, preparing myself, and walking myself through in my mind everything I'd have to walk away from. My church, my friends, my family, in pursuit of the truth. I really thought that. It's going to come to that moment and point in my life. See, there's going to come a test, young people. There's going to come a test. But you see, if you know that it's coming, and you tell yourself right now, I'm not going to make decisions based on anecdotal evidence. Just one little moment, one little feeling, one little stage of my life, one little trick of the enemy. I'm not going to build my life on that. Because I thought the thought, I was in my room, and I remember it. I probably told this story before. It impacted my life so much, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And I just had the thought it would be foolish to walk away from everything that I've ever known without giving God a chance to speak to me. Without giving God a chance to defend himself. Because I had been looking at one side of the evidence for too long. One piece of anecdotal evidence after another. I had been looking at the world for too long. This works. This works. This works. That's what they were telling me. This works. Look. Look at our life. It works. Look at this person's life. It works. Look at this bit of evidence. It works. It makes sense. Anecdotal evidence after anecdotal evidence. It was bombarding me and putting me in a place where I didn't know what I believed. But I said, God... I went in my room and I shut the door and I said, God, I need you to tell me if you are real. See, then the evidence came. Not an anecdotal evidence, not based on somebody else's life, but in that moment, the power of the Holy Ghost fell in that room. And I began to speak in other tongues, just like I had when I was nine years old. And it brought back to my mind all the evidence that was stacked up in God's favor, that I had been deceived. Because that's what Jesus said the comforter is for, is to bring to your remembrance everything that I have said. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. Because it seals you, the Bible says, unto the day of salvation. If you could stand tonight. I wonder if you could just close your eyes all across this place. Because I think there's somebody here that may have been close to giving up on God. Somebody here that may say, I, I, was, I was about to walk away. But I'm here to tell you there's evidence in this house tonight. There's evidence in this house tonight. There is a healer. There is a deliverer. There is a way maker. And could be God's put you right in this place right now just so that He can speak to you. 
just so that you can feel His presence one more time and you can be convinced that this is the real deal, that this is relevant for my life, that there is no joy and that there is no peace anywhere else but here in His presence. I wonder if we could just lift our hands all across this place. Let's just entertain the presence of the Lord for a moment. Young people, I want you to cry out to the Lord right now. This still works. This Holy Ghost message, it still works. It still has the power to transform. It still has the power to touch. Don't give up on God. Give Him another chance. Don't give up on God. Give Him another chance. He can prove to you that He is real. He can prove to you that He still works, that there's still power. Come on, young people, this altar's open. Would you take a step forward right now in faith and say, God, I want you to feel me. I want you to fill me to overflowing. God, I want you to touch me. I want you to help me. I wonder if we can gather in behind them and just begin to lay hands on these young people. They're in the fight for their life. But greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost tonight, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you need to be refilled, if you need a fresh dose of the evidence tonight, it's here. It's here for you. It's here for you. Come on, let's enter into a time of prayer right now. God's doing something in this place. Come on, repent of your sins. God can heal you. God can fix God can touch you. Come on, repent right now. Just empty it out to the Lord. Empty yourself out. Let God fill you right now. Come on, He's going to do something great in your life.